is the Entertainment Beyond Podcast with your host Jensen Dean Jackson and Alan Weinstein, bringing you all things relevant in pop culture and entertainment. We will be with you weekly, at least, talking about movies, politics, music, and all things in between. So check us out. See you next week. Same bad time, same bad station. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Entertainment Beyond. I am your host, Jensen Jackson, joined by... Mr. Entertainment Beyond, Alan Weinstein. And today we're going to discuss Marvel's uh, long in the making, you know, 22 movies in the making, Black Widow. Yes, sir. And uh, first of all... I just feel, as a fan of this series of movies and whatnot, and as a sometimes fan of Black Widow, it's insulting that it took 22 movies and her death before you got a solo movie that essentially, if you look at it, is not an origin story for Black Widow, Natasha Romanoff, as much as it's an origin story for Black Widow Yelena Belova. Yeah. I guess I mean I can definitely see that. I mean it's um, definitely it's definitely her origin story. You take her from kid to adult, you know, you go through some things. It's a classic origin story. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean I you know, I mean Yes, I mean, it's clearly an origin story of both of them. I think that Yelena definitely is a little bit younger when the story starts, and you definitely learn kind of more, I guess, about her origins. We're still not totally clear on Romanov's origins, or at least I'm not. I found it a little confusing. When we can get to that, we get a little bit more into the movie. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, we definitely met some new characters. Um, which I thought was interesting. I mean, I, I liked Red Guardian. Um, I, I thought David Harbour did a good job. I liked uh, Rachel Weiss as their mom. Um, you know, so, and I liked Yelena. I mean, I thought, you know, we met three new kind of cool characters. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, I'm sure we'll get into it. Um, but I'll, I guess I'll just kind of dive right into it. Um, it wasn't, you know, you're right, it was very long in the coming. Um, I'm glad that it was done, it was directed by a woman, I'm glad that it's Yeah, done. but Alan, for the directing by a woman, I posit the question, why were there so many camera nearly up Natasha's rectum ass shots of her? What was that? Yeah, I don't know, I'm not sure. It, it was so weird, because they made the commentary about, uh... Her sexual, you know, something about her using her, her feminine wiles or whatever. It just seemed it very odd to me. That seems very much a choice of a male director to give a uh, male gazy shot, as they call it, in the business. And, uh, yeah, it was just weird to me. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, Hollywood... You know, has no Hollywood film, TV, you know, has a long, long history of fetishizing women. Um, and this is just a, another example of that. I did think that the impression that I got from um, 
the main bad guy that was making the widows, that that was part of what he wanted them to be. I mean, these kind of attractive, you know, women that could get close to guys with sex and then be badasses too. So, um, which seems to be the ultimate, I guess, male fantasy. I mean, it's not necessarily my male fantasy, but, you know, I mean, I guess that's... You mean you don't want to get fucked by a chick and then have her beat the shit out of you? No, not really. Um, but that seems to be something that men, I guess, like, or that people seem to think men like, because that's a, a clearly played, you know, it's, it's a regularly played cliche and, you know, trope in movies and stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, that doesn't surprise me at all. And, I, you know, it is a little disappointing. Um, but overall, I was a hair disappointed with this movie. I mean, I was much more... I left the theater much less um, excited than I was when I went into it. Let's put it that way. Um, I was looking forward to this movie, and I, I, I thought it, I didn't think it delivered myself. I thought there was far too much exposition and not enough action. And, and, and honestly, a lot of exposition that I didn't really care about. And I understand that, you know, it's technically supposed to be an origin story. And it's not a, It's not an origin story for Natasha. It's well, I'm not going to say, but it's supposed to be kind of a background story. You're supposed to be learning about her, both right after Endgame, what happens after Endgame. Yeah, after Civil that. War. After Civil War, sorry. Um, and, you know, but it does tell you, I mean, it does give you some insight into her life overall. I mean... That she's not such a hero, especially when you discover what she tried to do, you know, halfway through the movie. Right. I mean, if it's supposed to be, you know, I mean, I think it is still... We can debate how well they address her origins, but I think the point of this is to be somewhat of an origin-type story. Even though it doesn't go all the way back to necessarily her as young as Yelena, um, you know, but I do think that that's supposed to be what they're trying to, I think, tell you here. Um, but yeah, I, mean, I didn't, I didn't really feel like it was an overall origin story. I thought it lacked in that regard. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, as much as I like Scarlett Johansson, I think that you're right, and I don't think it was any fault of hers. I think it was the way the script was written and the movie was done, that even though it was her movie, it was really much more of, a, of Elena's movie. I thought she stole the show, but not necessarily because she was a better actor, but because that's what they wanted to have happen. Which I think was a little disappointing, being that it's supposed to be Natasha's movie. Um, yeah, I mean, I didn't, you know, I thought some of the action stuff was really good. As always, you know, Marvel does good action. Um, but yeah, I mean, I didn't, you know, the whole time I thought they, well, the whole time, I guess it's a twist, but I mean, the whole time I thought they were leading up to the, um, last, you know, bad guy being, I thought it was going to be Clint Barton myself, and then when it was the bad guy's daughter and You didn't Clint see that the, coming? I didn't see that coming, honestly Come on, you've and watched as it, much media as me some things are just, I turned my friend the theaters, you know two seconds before it happened, and I'm like that's his daughter, and then boom Yeah, see, I was thinking when they, when they went over the last guy, I thought it was going to be Clint Barton but, and then I thought and then when it was the daughter, it was anticlimactic. Like, I didn't, 
it didn't hold for me the same impact that I thought it would be if it was somebody else, you know, Clint or her mom or something weird. Who knows? I mean, I don't know what I, but I heard that his daughter didn't carry the same impact me. And I didn't see it coming and it didn't work for me as a twist, per se. Like, I wasn't like, I mean, I was shocked that it was the daughter, but not necessarily in a good way. Like, oh shit, yay! It wasn't like, you know, it was like, oh, well, I don't, now I don't really care. <laughs> I mean, I knew what I told, like, so I don't know. I mean, yeah, and I do think it's a weird timing. I mean, we discussed this before, you know, when they were talking about making it, it's still coming out, that it's weird that it comes out after he's already been in the timeline. Um, you know, as I texted you after I saw it, you know, my first instinct was, it's a movie. You know, it's definitely not great. It's not terrible. I was semi-entertained before you know, a fair portion of it, but it definitely isn't, it's not going in my top five or 10 MCU movies that we're talking about. We got 23 now or 24, I guess. I mean, I'm not sure, but you know, I don't think it goes in my top five or 10. I mean, it's, 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 you know, middle of the road, if not towards the bottom. I, I wasn't overly impressed. I was actually a little disappointed. Well, I thought it was a fine story. Um, problem with them making this movie if if you were going to tell a story in between Civil War and fucking Endgame you should have placed it <clears throat> in the middle <clears throat> of those movies because there's no before you even see a trailer or anything like that and you hear the synopsis you know there's no stakes there are no stakes. This character has to, by virtue of what awaits her in fucking Endgame, you have to ensure that the character lives. So there's no there's no danger, and it takes all the the venom out of the snakes, so to speak. But I found it to be an okay, Marvel definitely the darkest thing Marvel has put to screen yet with all the explanations of hysterectomy and what goes into being a black widow and the monstrosity committed by uh, I guess the director of the Red Room or whatever they call him whose name I can't remember now I'm drawing a blank on his name but yes but yeah I found it to be an effective film and it uh, especially with the, the end credit scenes you know, there are rumors online that they're building to a Dark Avengers, and I know you didn't see fucking Captain or the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which you should have, because then the character who popped up in the the after credits would make a lot more sense because she showed up in that too. But uh, yeah, so it seems like you know this is Marvel doing Marvel shit again, and uh, they haven't failed yet. It's uh, actually. Um, it's a piece of news that I could just bring up now that uh, the box office numbers for Black Widow dropped 60-something percent after its first week. I mean, it made uh, combined 100-something million total between Disney Plus and the box office, but then it had a very steep drop-off. It's the worst drop-off of any Marvel movie in the MCU history. And uh, it's probably due to... A 
couple of different factors of them releasing the shit same day, day and date as theaters on demand, and the fact that they've shortened the window for when movies can be viewed. You know, this whole rest of the year is going to be so jam-packed with shit because this pandemic and people trying to get their movies exhibited and shit like that. But, uh... Well, I, yeah, and I, you know, I think there's a couple things. I think one is, you know, I don't know, but, I mean, I haven't seen a whole lot of reviews, and I haven't seen it, like, be panned or anything, but like I said, I was a little disappointed. It wouldn't surprise me if, overall, there was a sense of, a, a, hair, a hair sense of letdown. I didn't get a whole lot of, like, people saying, wow, this was great, either everyone out, everyone rush out and see it, so... It didn't seem like it struck that kind of chord. And I know we went to the eleven twenty show here in Vancouver and there were only four there was only four of us. Me and my wife and two other people in the whole theater. So I don't know if that's a symptom of not wanting to see this movie, but I think it was a symptom of COVID and people still not necessarily anxious to run back out to the theaters. And it being available, or most movies also being available now for early release at home. Yeah, it seems like, you know, $30 for a movie at home is a lot, but you can take your time, you can do what you want, you can watch as you want, you have it for however, I guess, maybe forever. I mean, I'm not sure exactly, a lot of these streaming services are different, but, you know, even if you have it for 48 hours, unless you have the Regal Pass, you're not going to go probably more and pay the box office price more than once in 48 hours. So if you get it at home, you got a chance to see it multiple times um, and for the same price. And I just think that, yeah, I, I think there's still an overwhelming uh, hesitancy from people to go out into the world because of COVID. Yeah, I mean, the, the theater was empty. Not just our theater, but the whole theater. Like, there wasn't anybody in line waiting to see other movies. I, I mean, we saw all of, like, five people, and I think four of them were employees. So, um, you know, that to me is an indication of probably why the box office numbers weren't as great. Or I think, Alan, it's because people went to see it in the first week. The theater that I was in, the IMAX that I was in, which IMAX tickets are way more expensive than regular, and every seat was packed all the way up to the seats that were too close to the screen. So I think it's... uh, I don't really think people are, at least not in Portland, they're not really... They don't really see... Every movie that I've been to, there's only been a handful of them... uh, because I'm going to see every movie in IMAX. Like, that's the experience uh-huh. I want. And every movie I've been to, Fast and Furious 9, Black Widow, um, packed, jam-packed. But then I hear these stories like you're telling me where, you know, a week later, and it doesn't matter. I, I think that's just going to be the trend. I think people are going to rush to see it when it's out there the first, you know, opening night or, or the preview. And then it's just going to peter off. And yeah, be be a little bit due to to the pandemic, but I think people are just, you know, people who really love the movies uh, are gonna they're not gonna wait around to, to you know wait around or get something spoiled. They're gonna go see it, you know, when it releases the first day they can. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it's interesting to see. You know, I think that the pandemic will. Well, the pandemic and the pandemic along with the streaming stuff will forever change, I think, 
movie theaters. I don't, I don't think theaters will ever be as popular as they were before with the with the streaming stuff and being able, unless they start stop, unless they stop putting movies out on streaming apps again. It's just releasing them in theaters. But I think as long as you're releasing them on the same day on streaming apps as well as in the theater, you're going to get a bulk of people that will probably never go back to the theater just because it's more convenient to watch them at home. Especially now because you can get, you know, if you if you want to spend the money, nowadays you can go get an 80-inch TV and a sound bar. And it's not a theater, but it's fucking pretty impressive at your house where you have a lot more freedoms and you don't have to deal with people and all sorts of shit. So I do think that, that the, the seeing movies in theater has it is forever changed to a certain extent. Uh, I think you're blaspheming on the good name that is movies but we should circle it back to the Black Widow because there's still a lot to talk about no doubt so why don't you go ahead and uh, lead the discussion so you know you have the whole family set up the origin of them being a fake Russian spy family they make it to Cuba there's some stuff that's that I don't like about this movie that I wish I would have explained more and the whole reasoning, I mean, I get why they kidnapped the girls to go back to the Red Room, but I won, I would like to know why the Red Guardian ended up imprisoned in a really shitty-looking prison, by the way. You know, right. Stuff like that where, you know, and the end of the movie where you don't know how. I mean, you know Natasha has to get Steve Rogers to start a Infinity War, but they don't explain how she gets around uh, General Thunderbolt Ross and stuff like that's annoying like sometimes I don't want it to be left up to imagination I want you to tell me especially when I when it's a character like this where her 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 lifeline so to speak is very easily traceable you know don't stop leaving shit out because this is you know this is the end game no pun intended for her character so the more time you get to spend with this character who is been around since Iron Man 2 she is besides you know Tony Stark she is one of the first co co-founding Avengers you know to put a little bit more respect on the lady's fucking name uh, on some level in my head as a fan this whole movie feels disrespectful to her character she's been around since before motherfuckers were going to space or fighting aliens in New York. You know, back in, in the simpler days of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, where the worst thing you had to worry about was a dude with super orange tan palm hands and uh, Mickey Rourke playing a Russian who loves a parrot, who creates a robot. She, the, Natasha, you know, and the actress Scarlett Johansson have been around in, 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 this, in the universe for a long time. And so on one hand, this movie just is... It's disappointing. It's it's disappointing to the first female action-oriented character of Marvel, of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, because the first first lady of the Marvel Cinematic Universe easily goes to Pepper Potts. But uh, it feels disrespectful. It's still nice to get it, you know, a little bit more time with Natasha. She's badass, but it really. It, it feels on one hand it feels disrespectful to this character's legacy um, in these movies and it's it's just straight up it's it's Yelena's backstory 
She she's the new Black Widow. I mean, they they haven't said anything officially, but she was a Black Widow in the comic book. She took over for Natasha before. It makes sense, you know. Black Widow's kind of like a call sign, kind of like James Bond, or or I mean, 007 or some other stuff. Things I can't think of. So it just it makes sense. I mean. I love I love the uh, the action set piece in Budapest or Budapest, however you prefer to say it. Um, I thought there was some really solid shit in there. I love Florence Pugh's uh, performance. It's been fun to watch her. She was great in Midsummer. She's been <clears throat> great in everything she's done. And this is she she's able to pull off that characteristic of what I was, would assume would happen to a lot of young adults who are snatched up at a young age and turned into killers where you're not really going to ever kind of mentally grow up because you never got to. So while you're a, a beautiful young woman, mentally you're still, you know, that little girl who was kidnapped. You know, that's what made scenes like her talking shit to Natasha about while she's always posing and... uh her getting excited when Natasha says that she likes her jacket with a, uh, or her vest with way too many pockets, and stuff like that really uh, made an impression on me and stood out, and helped to uh, show that like man, for for however long Florence uh, decides to be in the MCU, it's gonna be she's gonna bring that kind of same and intense yet charming energy to the screen. Uh, I loved the Taskmaster. I thought um, the the twist aside uh, was pretty damn true to the character. They didn't in the comic books. The character has those abilities, so they didn't really specify. I think they were trying to imply that maybe it was computer related, but I hope that it's the Taskmaster just has those abilities offhand because that's really that's really dope. They really did showcase, even though Taskmaster wasn't in the movie as much as uh, she could have been uh, I still liked every time that she showed up and it had the same vibe that they were able to pull off with Bucky where every time Bucky showed up it felt like like the Terminator like that, that hopeless sense that you'd have of dread in the pit of your stomach anytime the Terminator would show up because it's an unstoppable force no matter what you do it's the shark in the water that's <laughs> gonna bite you in half yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, yeah. I no, did no, not no. find... I don't know how you felt about it. Uh, I like my, my end parts of movies to have fighting, you know? Yeah. And, I mean, it showcased again why Natasha is uh, a valued asset and why she is dangerous, but I wasn't a fan of the end boss fight resulting in uh, uh, essentially a matching of wits where Natasha outsmarted that barbaric piece of shit. I mean, but it, it was a nice callback to... It was a perfect callback if you can cast your mind all the way back to two, 2012 where Natasha did the same thing to Loki to get information on what was going on with the staff or whatever. And she said, thank you for your cooperation. That was a beautiful callback to... Uh, uh, what seemed like eons ago, but I still wasn't a fan of like the we're gonna you're the final guy and we're gonna have a conversation. Right? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I thought there was 
fiction out there there's always going to be that talking you know there's there's many there are many many facets to spycraft and fighting and shooting unfortunately aren't always the ones that are employed so I, I understood that i wasn't mad at it throughout the movie i just the end was something where it's like are you fucking kidding me we're having a conversation to end these proceedings no, but I thought, I, I mean, I do think that that was kind of a symptom of the whole movie. And you're right. I mean, a lot of spy thrillers are supposed to be very cerebral and whatever. But that's, and that's what this is to a certain extent. But when you really boil down to it, this is a superhero movie. And I know she's not your traditional superhero in the sense that she's not a Superman or a Batman or a, any of these guys, you know, or or someone with actual superpowers or or that she's even someone that came about it in a way that's got some sort of positive um, you know undertone to it I mean clearly it's a negative thing that she is who she is because of how she came about it um, but I just I don't know I feel like for someone that is as badass as she is uh, first of all I thought there was far too much um um, exposition and drama around being emotionally manipulated around her past and stuff. And that, I mean, I understand it sucks and whatever, but, you know, the holding hands and the crying with the family and the, the, the reuniting with the, the Red Guardian and Rachel Weiser, it, it just, I mean, it was a little, for me, it came across as a little hokey um, and a little too much, uh, you know, um, pulling on the heartstrings. I, I felt deliberately manipulated. But, and, and I thought it lacked action. Also, I thought the ending was another symptom of that. Yes, you're right. In the spy thriller, there's all sorts of ways to, to have, um, all sorts of stuff besides just shooting and fighting. But this is ultimately, like I said, a kind of a superhero story where she is a fighter and she is a badass. And it's not just Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy, you know, where it's, where it's all just cerebral and, or, you know, uh, the Tom Hanks movie where they're on the bridge or whatever. Uh, I forget what the name of that is. Maybe it's just called The Bridge. I don't know where they exchange with the agents. But this is supposed to be an action film in the Marvel Universe. And I feel like more than half of it was not action-backed and, and was slow and kind of drug a little. I mean, I, I do think that her past is interesting. I do think that how she's come to be who she is is interesting. I do think what she does on her own is interesting because she's a cool character. I just think they didn't tell it in a very interesting way. I think they could have made it more interesting. Well, you know, everybody is allowed to have their own opinions. And, uh, I thought the acting was really well. I thought Rachel Weiss and David Harbour did a really good job. I thought the bad guy whose name I'm drawing a blank on, I thought he was... Jay Winston. Creepy. Yeah, he was creepy and came across as a bad guy. I thought that his daughter did a good job of embodying kind of that psycho, mindless role. And I just... It, it wasn't that anything was bad. I just didn't think it was great. I just didn't think it was... I don't know. It just left me a little dry. 
something more, I guess. And not necessarily more Natasha Romanoff's story, but more for that movie, more for that story. Like, I don't necessarily need a second movie, but just that they had done her more justice, as you talk about in this film. You're right. I mean, a lot of it is Yelena Heavy. Uh, it's not really a Natasha Romanoff story. There isn't a whole lot of origin story. There isn't a whole lot of, of um, angst because you already know she's going to survive. Um, you know, so yeah, I mean, all those things leave you a little, you know, just uh, making the film a little less um, than I was hoping it would be. Well, you know, here's to hoping that the next one uh, well, what is it? I think it's uh, Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten yeah. Rings, which looks very interesting. I'm interested to see how Marvel respects or doesn't respect um, kung fu, because you know America you can't like respect something. They got to put their own spin on it and then make it something it's not. So hopefully. That's not the case with uh, Shang-Chi and the Legends of the Ten Rings. Um, but to get back to Black Widow, uh, what are you uh, What are you rating this? I'll give it... I, you know, I was thinking about this this morning. You know, it, it's tough because there's, there's, you know, a one or a two seems really low and a three or a four seems really high. I mean, I feel like it's somewhere in between. I feel like it's like, a, it needs a half a score. I think it needs like a two and a half puffs because, I, like I said, a two, I think, is, is not giving it enough credit, but I don't think it's quite three and it's definitely not a four. Um, so I, I think I'll give it two and a half puffs. Yeah. It's a little low, Alan. Um, I'm going to give it three puffs, even. I liked it. That it, it, it's, uh, you can't deny it. It's a, uh, origin story for, yeah, I mean, the movie's called Black Widow, so it's, uh, if I'm using the word correctly, it's subjective, or it can be, if I'm even using that word correctly. Um, it's definitely Yelena's origin story. You know, otherwise, why would you start? She's, she's like, what, fucking easily five or six in the, the opening of the movie. So it's definitely her story. I mean, you do have to have Natasha in there because that's the, that's the widow that everybody's expecting. No one knows about Yelena. Everybody wants to see Natasha. Um, I don't know if I'll ever give a movie four stars, or, you know, if I'm just so stoned that I forgot that I've already given a movie four stars. But uh, the, just the fact that it took so long to get this this fucking ball rolling and to give her the respect of you know single, single you know, or I mean uh, standalone, not standalone. You know what I mean? Uh, fuck! Why can't I think of the her, her own movie? Right. Um, it just it's it's. It smacks of, you know, too little, too late with me. Not that she doesn't deserve it. It's just like, come on, if you really respect this character, you would have gave it to her a long time ago. Uh, otherwise, I would I would give it like, you know, three and a quarter or something like that. But it loses a quarter for taking 22 movies to produce this and then not even really telling, you know, 
And I, I think one of the, the reasons they didn't just do a Natasha origin story is because uh, they it was too long, which is like totally your totally your fucking fault, you know. Uh, whoever decided, you know, and you knew this character was popular, and whoever decided to wait this long, that's on you, bro. So I, I'm only gonna give it three puffs. You know, I've, I've found it to be a fine action movie, great origin story for a new character who's next gonna show up in the. Uh, I guess she's gonna show up in the, the Hawkeye Disney Plus TV series to try to wrongfully avenge Natasha. Uh, clearly being manipulated by fucking Valentina. Oh, fuck, I can't remember her whole name. Valentina. Something D Fontaine. Right, which played by Elaine Boozler, who has no Russian accent. Played by who? Uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus, the way her Elaine from. Oh, okay, I was like, who the fuck are you? Who the fuck are you? Elaine, yeah, that was her character Elaine, on yeah. Seinfeld from those Seinfeld fans. But yeah, with no Russian accent. Well, she's <laughs> not. She's not supposed to have a Russian accent. She didn't show up in in Falcon and Winter Soldier with one. Yeah. She's, uh, to the people who don't read the comics, she's, uh, called, she's called Lady Hydra in the comics. So that should get you, uh, some, a little tiddlywink of an idea of who she is. But, uh, I have, so I have some, some pieces of news, unless, you know, you have anything to offer first, Mr. Entertainment Beyond. I do not. I'll, uh, as has come to be the case for someone who is <laughs> narcissistically calling themselves Mr. Entertainment Beyond. That's uh, right. This first piece I of... Stop lost. I don't actually want to do anything to earn it. <laughs> like most of the CEOs in America. <laughs> Jennifer Carpenter will return as Deborah Morgan in the much-awaited revival of Dexter. The 10-episode reboot will feature the return of Michael C. Hall as the beloved title character and will take place 10 years after the series finale in 2013. Clyde Phillips, the original um, person responsible for the series before, de before departing, uh, has been brought back as a showrunner to the revival after departing the original, what I just said, the original series at the end of season four. The reboot will bring a slew of fresh new faces, including Clancy Brown as the mayor villain, Kurt Cladwell, an unofficial mayor of Iron Lake in upstate New York, where Dexter is now residing. Joining him will be Julia Jones, Alano Miller, Johnny Sequoia, Michael Cyril, Crichton, Jack Alcott, and Jamie Chung. Interesting. Yeah, I'm not sure who any of those actors are or names are, but... Well, they're fresh uh, faces, Alan. Yeah, I mean, I, like, yeah, I just mean, like, in general, obviously, they're fresh faces from Dexter, so I just, I'm not familiar with any of them from their names, like, in general, from anything else. You don't know so who Clancy mean, Brown is? Uh, not off the top of my head. I mean, maybe if you told me what he was in or something, I mean, I might know, but not off the top of my head, not just the actor's name, no. Um, but, um... Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I watched, like, I don't know, half of Dexter so far, and I, at some 
some point would like to get back to finishing it. I haven't I've never actually, like I said, finished the series. But I like it. I mean, I think uh, Michael C. Hall's a good actor. I think that the sister is good. Um, Deborah's good. Uh, and I think it's overall a good show. I mean, I clearly, since I haven't seen it, and now that I know that they're going to do some sort of something 10 years later, I, it kind of gives me some impression of potentially how it might end. I mean, I'm sure I really don't know, but clearly he either isn't killed or probably doesn't go to jail or something to that effect um, because they're going to do something 10 years later. So, um, And he's out and about clearly roaming around. So, um, so I, again, I don't, you know, but I like the show overall. I thought, I thought it's a good show. I think it's well-written. I think it's... Uh, you know, fairly funny. I mean, it's a, it's definitely a dramedy. Um, it has a lot of, you know, fun, you know, um, humor in it as well as being very dark. Um, you know, Dexter's an interesting character. The whole, you know, kind of uh, guy that kills bad people, but is kind of a bad guy also. Like he's, you know, he's not just doing it to do it because it's the right thing to do. He's doing it because he's a serial killer who wants to kill bad people as opposed to killing good people. Uh, but yet he's, you know, I mean, the first one I always got from Dexter is that he'd be okay killing either people. He just was taught by his, you know, adoptive dad or Henry Morgan or Harry Morgan, I'm sorry, uh, not his adoptive dad, the guy that took him in. Um, you know, to kill bad people, but really it doesn't ultimately matter. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's an interesting character. I always thought Dexter was kind of a cool character creation and a, an interesting juxtaposition of a person. Um, I like the dark and the light of him. I, and again, I think the acting is good and well-written. Um, I, I, like I said, I haven't finished the original series yet, so I'll probably try to do that before I watch you know, something that takes place 10 years later and eventually I will get to it. Um, I'm not running out to see it right this second, but I'll definitely get to it. Well, it'll be around whenever you're ready. And uh, speaking of being around whenever you're ready, this next piece of news, unfortunately, will not. Uh, despite his wide range of eccentric roles, Nicolas Cage is no longer starring as Joe Exotic, since Amazon has canceled their Tiger King project, uh, they state, you know, later on in the, the news article that it's possibly due to how long it's taken, which is a uh, batshit insane because I think everybody wants to see Nicolas Cage play Joe Exotic, the fucking Tiger King. Doesn't matter if you give it to us right now or if you give it to us in five fucking years. Uh, people are gonna want to see Nicolas Cage play Joe Exotic. That's just the the long and short of it. You know, I'm really disappointed in this news, despite how you might feel about you know a disgusting, uh, cartoonish character. Uh, I think Nicolas Cage would have been something to see playing Joe Exotic, uh, the Tiger King. And it's unfortunate that Amazon doesn't have the fucking balls to to. Uh, play the long game and just do it yeah, I, mean, I didn't watch Tiger King I mean, I, I'm only familiar with Joe Exotic just from people talking about him and from, you gotta yeah. watch it it's one of those things that you feel like a piece of shit at the end of the like I don't know 10 episode mini but it's so it's like watching a train full of baby seals that's on fire 
repeatedly crash into other trains and you don't want to you don't want to watch no one wants to like willingly look at something like that but it's so compelling that you can't look away interesting yeah i, I mean i don't I'm not sure. I, 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 you know, my wife started it and watched like a quarter of an episode and decided she couldn't do it. That it was just too much, and so it just doesn't interest me. There's no part about it that interests me. First of all, I'm not really a big animal person as far as like I'm not a big animal person. Secondly, I'm not like a huge like animal documentary person. And thirdly, I just it just doesn't move the needle for me. And everything that everyone's told me about it, I have less and less desire to actually see it. So um, I, I probably won't watch it. Um, and so as a result, you know, do I think that Nicholas Cage is crazy enough to be, uh, uh, to do a, a good job of playing a bizarre guy like Joe Exotic from what I know about him? Probably, sure. I mean, it seems like it'd be right up Nicholas Cage and Valley. Um, and you're right. I mean, it's a little kind of cheesy for, uh, did you say Amazon or Netflix? Whoever it is. Amazon. Amazon did not want to do it or did not have the gumption to do it, but you know, and I know that it's a it was definitely a very mainstream pop culture thing for a while, you know, and and whatever. But you know, and that doesn't none of that any of that moves the needle for me. Most of them I haven't seen the show, and I don't plan on watching it. I don't, you know, none of it makes an impact on me. So, well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Nothing is making an impact on Alan, Mr. Entertainment Beyond. And uh, we have come to the end of the news cycle. And, the uh, end of the news cycle? Yes, for this episode. Uh, have, you, uh, have you watched anything recently, Alan? We've got like five minutes we can talk about. Have I watched anything recently? No, not, not anything of any excitement. Um, the only thing that I watched recently actually it's playing in the background right now as I'm doing this podcast which if I'm, if I'm slightly distracted on three listeners it's because I'm watching the, the money in the bank pay-per-view the end of it on TV and on silence in the background right now um, but no I mean I've watched most of this pay-per-view from yesterday which has been a good pay-per-view um, I watched the Slammiversary Impact pay-per-view on Saturday night which was pretty good but other than that no I mean I haven't watched any movies or any shows that um in the recent recent future that I think are worth um talking about the only things that we've been watching I've been watching a lot of Wicked Tuna I don't know if you're familiar with that show but it's yeah, like it's, it's a boring show I love that show so we like that show I watch that show and I watch Gold Rush another boring show. one <laughs> I find them both extremely exciting. So, well, I uh, hear that's I what wanna, happens when you get old. I want to do both. I want to both uh, tuna fish and gold mine. So, um, but yeah. So those are the main things I've been watching, and then just wrestling. That's about it. Well, big three uh, Ice Cube's Big Three Basketball League has started its fourth season after being canceled last season for the virus, um, and so that came back. Uh, July 2nd so there's been two weeks since there's 10 I'm sorry July 10th was the first week back so and then last week yesterday they have them on the day of games on Saturday and Sunday so I was watching that the last two weekends um, and that's basically about it well seems like I've been watching a lot more movies than you have for uh, yeah. again someone who calls themselves Mr. Entertainment Beyond but uh, I have I watched all three of the Fear Street movies 
I uh, I watched the Tomorrow War, which is okay. oh man, that's a movie that's like. So they want to do a sequel for the Tomorrow War, but they did everything. They literally did everything in this movie. This movie was like almost two hours long, and I was like, okay, you know, uh, certain shit starts happening. And you're like, okay, well, there's still so much of this movie left. Like, what's going on here? They, it seems very much like a movie. It was supposed to come out in theaters, but they sold it to Amazon. And it seems like a movie that they were not conf- confident could, like, make the acquired the required amount of money that it would need to make to garner a sequel. So they just were like, fuck it. We're going to throw everything on the goddamn screen. Um, we're going to take Eminem's word as a gospel. You only get one shot, one opportunity. So capture it and don't let it fail and just throw every goddamn thing at the screen. Because literally the last 45 minutes, if I am some Hollywood jerk-off, I could take the last 45 minutes of that movie and stretch it into an entire another fucking movie. And so I don't, one, I don't see where they're going to go with the sequel for... Tomorrow War, I guess it would be the Today War, or the Tonight War, or this Afternoon's War. I don't know what 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 time of day, or or what day it would the war would be on, but uh, I don't see how they do it now. I really don't see how they do it, and it's it's. Uh, I know Chris Pratt was pinning hopes and dreams on this being a uh, a uh, a new franchise. Which, I mean, I, I guess at least he's being smart because the Guardians franchise is coming to a close. Who knows what he's doing in the Marvel Universe after that. Uh, Jurassic Park is coming to a close. But this, I'm going to say that this is not... I feel like he's had a lot of movies where he's trying to turn into a franchise and just... The magic's not there. The magic's not there with this movie. It was decent. The alien designs were were interesting. You know, nothing in my mind will ever top seeing a xenomorph for the first time at fucking nine years old. Like, nothing will ever beat that creature design for an alien. But they, they did all right with uh, these aliens. Movie was passable for being able to watch it in my bed at 11 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, I have not seen it yet. <clears throat> uh, but, uh, you know, I mean, maybe at some point I will check it out. So I don't really have any comments on the movie um, itself. Um, but yeah uh, it does sound like you're watching a lot more than me I did see a couple interesting previews at, uh, at just just to take up a couple more seconds at uh, what you would call a Black Widow they had the preview for the new Venom movie which I thought looked kind of corny um, I thought the way the trailer came out it looked pretty corny but uh, I will see it because my wife is a huge Venom and Tom Hardy fan so we'll check it out um, and then there was a what was the there was a preview for a horror movie that I'm trying to think of what it was it looks like it was not necessarily something I would normally watch but I thought it looked pretty interesting I'm drawing a blank on it now probably because I'm too sad to remember but um, I don't know if you saw this if they had roughly the same preview I don't know what previews they had I missed all the previews because I was late to the I literally got there for like the end of the last previews right and sorry <laughs> listeners there's a jet in the background really loud yeah the only place the only preview I really remember was the Venom preview per se um and uh 
Okay, but it did look a little corny. Trash, ass, 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 ass. Just like the entirety <laughs> of the first movie. Fucking ass. No, I will not watch Venom 2 for the podcast. I probably won't even watch Venom 2 just to watch it. Because fuck really that movie. Fuck that. Sony does not... We don't have time for this today, Alan. But Sony does not fucking understand how Spider-Man works. You cannot. You cannot. You cannot have Venom without... First, getting black suit Spider-Man. You cannot. Not even in, in a, an alternate, you know, timeline or anything like that. <laughs> no, I, I absolutely 100% agree with you. I, I totally agree with you. I don't, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's gone about the, the thing the, a weird way. But, to be fair, you've watched a lot of bad movies that you already knew were bad, that you were already pissed off about to begin with. You were frustrated they were making just to watch them so I'm not sure I understand why this would be any different because they don't respect the source material yeah but ladies or listeners of all genders because we don't discriminate why are you laughing Alan I'm trying to get away from the ladies and gentlemen thing because it's not encompassing to all of our listeners not all of our listeners are identifying as ladies or, or gentlemen, and that greeting is a bit outdated. Uh, I would agree with that. You know, so I'm trying to find something that works, and uh, to all our listeners of, of all gender, whether you know, you're, you're binary, non-binary, or, or, or whatnot, uh, thank you again for joining our podcast. Uh, I feel like last time, Alan, I, I listened to it back because I was recording it and laying the, the track, so to speak. You, you were so stuffed up, you sounded like Darth Vader. Yeah. So. I figured that, yeah. I definitely uh, apologize for not sounding like my normal jubilant self. But, but that is in the vein of Mr. Entertainment Beyond going above and beyond the listeners' wildest dreams to give them entertainment. Yeah. I, I played through the pain just for the listeners. Well, now I think, ladies, uh, he's being a little... Mr. Energy would be on, don the mask and played through the pain. Dramatic. Because I love you that much. <laughs> and I value and appreciate all of our listeners that much. As you can see, I'm feeling much better today, much more back to normal. I'm hoping that uh, next week we'll be doing this uh, in person, um, as opposed to remote, maybe. And, uh, yeah, as always, it's been a blast. As always, it's been a blast. And uh, yeah, take us out, Alan. Uh, keep it classy. And stuff it down with a whole shitload of brown because the world's still depressing as fuck. <laughs> but have a true. nice day. Thank you again right. for listening, everybody. Catch you on the next episode. Take it easy.